first time lord, I'm Daniel Levain, and until I started this podcast, I had never seen a single Doctor Who episode, but my friends kept hounding me, telling me you are going to love it, and I took a chance, and now I am kicking myself for having not done this sooner. How could I have been so foolish? But here I am, enjoying every last little bit of information that I can gather out of every single episode, just absolutely in love with the characters. And this week we are talking about Rise of the Cybermen. And I know there is a lot of history buried in here, mostly because there were some references to it in series one. So I need somebody to help me walk through this episode. And who better than the amazingly knowledgeable Eric Sweetman. Hi, everybody. I don't know if I can really stand up with that amazingly knowledgeable title, but I'll do my best. <laughs> I, I think you are very well versed in the Doctor Who universe, and you will do quite handedly at being able to answer my questions because uh, I, it, I feel like it is now a tradition that I have to start the episode by referring to to the actual episode of the TV show as a wow moment, because <laughs> wow, jeepers, this episode. Uh, so good reminder, uh, dear listener, if you have not seen Rise of Cybermen, now would be the time to pause the podcast, go watch the episode, and come back and join us, because I am inevitably going to ask questions that will spoil the plot of the episode. So take that opportunity and let's dive into the conversation the first thing that popped into my head is i've heard the term cybermen before and in fact we saw one in an episode earlier last season uh, the the head of one of the cybermen in the the vault of uh i forget the guy that owns the internet i forget the character's name right i don't remember either it's been too long i didn't do the uh that podcast with you so i haven't watched that particular episode in that particular episode <laughs> but i i do remember that the doctor referred to him as the stuff of nightmares yes reduced to an exhibit those were his words he used to describe the Cybermen. So the entire episode, this, I, I, I was waiting to find out why they were so menacing. Mm. Um, and well, we'll get, <laughs> we'll get to why or when I found uh, what I found. Uh, but it starts with this guy named John Lumick. Yes. Am I getting the name correct? Lumic, L-U-M-I-C, Lumic, yes. John Lumic. Is there any connection between John Lumic and previous Doctor Who stories? Let me think. Yeah, I don't believe so. I don't know if they, I don't remember there being some specific uh, reason for the name. Because in the versions of the Cybermen, in the past, you know, there were, they were found on Mars. So their existence came from a whole different planet, a different, a different 
thing from long, long mm-hmm. ago. And you know, you, we've got time travel, so it's really tough to say exactly when certain things happen. But right. they uh, they weren't. Um, the idea of them wasn't so much a contemporary um, creation like this stuff happened long, long ago and uh, finding them frozen in the, uh, in, in caves and in, in, on Mars and b- then being unleashed. It's like, okay, they were dangerous, but those old uh, versions looked kind of silly. They look more like sock monkeys with uh, uh, handles on their heads rather than anything intimidating and that's you know that's that is what we saw right we we saw that that the head of one of those uh which was a very sort of retro or as uh, rose has uh, referred to it as a very disco look right yeah (laughs) good good uh good answer on that one yeah (laughs) (laughs) um okay so the, the there is no connection uh so we start Not that I with don't. there could be, but I don't know it. So sure. that's, yeah, well, I mean, you know, well, there's going to be holes. They're sorry, folks. If you want all the they're... answers, talk to the guys who actually wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we'll get Russell Davies on the phone. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, sure he's, he's just waiting by it. I can't wait to talk about this with my friends. <laughs> right. But uh, so we start with uh, the, the the thing that I've been wanting so desperately, which is getting to see Mickey be part of the adventures, getting Mickey to be sort of out with the the doctor and Rose. And, you know, as, as is usually the case, they're kind of joshing him, which, you know, it, it really is starting to get to me. <laughs> the yeah. amount of like, you know, like the, the guy, <laughs> right. Like yeah. the guy is, you know, genuinely trying to be, nice to you guys and all he wants to desperately be a part of the the conversation and you know they're like oh yeah just hold that button how long did i not you know when could i have let go oh, about 29 minutes ago yeah you know like it just feels you know like once again poor mickey's getting put upon and it's really funny and i understand that amongst friends sometimes there's that level of joshing but i'm like come on guys you you already you know doctor you already stole his girl from him like why why keep like completely you know putting him down um but immediately this episode throws us because huge explosion tardis like falls down and this is the first time that it's happened at least in in this incantation uh, certainly since i've been watching we are no longer in the same timeline. The doctor tells us we have fallen into another dimension. And now the doctor is immediately doom and gloom and says we have fallen into the dark void. Right. Is, so is that like the, the phantom zone of the Doctor Who universe? Oh, ah, yeah, that one's a, I don't think that it's, it's, it wasn't meant to be like, oh, here's a space that I've been before that is a dark zone. I think uh, um, this, as he realizes they have fallen out of the time vortex, the only thing he can imagine is that they have been lost and that there is nothing familiar out there. Like it would be um, being just set adrift in the middle of the darkest reaches of space and not having anything under you. 
where then all of a sudden, um, you know, Mickey opens up the door and it's like, oh, we're in London. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. So he is not, you know, I think it's setting up for the joke of having them thinking that, uh, that you know, the doctor who has never been in this dimension before thinking of what is the worst possible thing that could be out there, the dark zone, whatever. And then London, this is okay. We're, I guess we're fine. And then the quick realization that they're not exactly fine because it's not our London. It's not their London. And and it's pointed out in that sarcastic doctor way of like, Oh, London. Uh, so the, everything's fine. Right. Including the, the Zeppelins. Zeppelins. Yeah. Yeah, because again, they, you get Mickey who is thinking everything is absolutely perfectly fine, and then Rose will go along with that, and he's like, he's the doctor. Of course, is quicker to notice not only the obvious but uh, the more subtle things. But it's like, yeah, this isn't unless those came into town when we were out. Uh, no, that's not normal. Right. You know, and it gave that it gave London a very much Batman the Animated Series vibe because of the, you know all the the airships floating around up there and how dark certain elements were. You know, that right, also the dirigibles because yeah. the implication seemed uh, as as Mickey goes off wandering on his own at one point. Uh, the implication is that like the rich people live up in the in the dirigibles, and everybody else down here has to acquiesce to you know like. Uh, curfews and all this other things. Yeah, I'm not so sure that it's all the rich people live in the dirigibles, but they had the dirigibles. You know that there were the the have-nots who were regulated to those other zones. These this neighborhood is locked off, and there's a curfew. You know there mm-hmm. is something serious going on. There is a president of the United Kingdom. You know, so yes, the, the political situation the rather the than the prime minister. Right, yeah. right. Um, it's not Harriet Jones either. Um, you know, it, and, it is not. <laughs> she's too tired. Yeah, she's she's looking real tired, isn't she? Uh, <laughs> but you get um, you just get this this sense that there's a lot going on that we don't ever even scratch the surface of. You know, what is the full issue of this? This world, but what we are introduced to, speaking of the dirigibles, is having uh, John Lumet come in, and he is wheelchair bound. He is um, a great inventor, and he wants to come to his home country to uh, debut this next thing. He is the technological genius of these earpieces that um, basically sort of feed directly into the brain everything that. Uh, that you would want to have downloaded on your iPhone. This predates the iPhone. You don't even need a screen because it's uh, downloading it into your brain. You can just think it. Um, so that that's, you know, it's like, okay, this is a very interesting world. Technology that is far ahead and yet dirigibles and other things that make you feel like it is very retro. You know, I'm and, expecting and more not even... art deco <laughs> decorations. Well, it, it is sort of steampunky in that, mm-hmm. you know, you've got all this extreme technology and yet, you know, travel by dirigible and or I guess even possibly living by dirigible is a thing. But yeah. the, the fact that the technology is adaptable uh, and that any technology will eventually be found and adapted into this thing because Rose's phone which is, in theory, a very antiquated phone, 
would have immediately connected to this new network. And she says, it gives me access to the internet. Yeah. And and she finds uh, one of the moments that made me gasp in the show. Uh, she finds that you know her father is still alive. We see that pretty early on, uh, but that her parents never had her. Right. Uh, and then of course we see her parents, and she keeps saying Rose, Rose, Rose. And I'm like, are we going to see her? And then it's a dog. Right. Which I gasp. And then later in the episode, you see the doctor laughing at it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And you see her being crushed. It's like, they don't have me. You know, all this, right, and they right. don't have me. And it becomes the idea like, well, if they didn't have me, would their lives be this successful? Because as we see in, you know, the, the episode shows us that Pete Tyler is an extremely successful man. He is He's very, very wealthy with a catchphrase. You can trust me. <laughs> you can trust me on this. That's it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And that was something that they pointed out specifically. And they did. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it, he's got these high government connections. He's got the connection with uh, John Lumick. And um, he's just a, you know, the, the house that they have is this wonderful mansion. There's, um, there's uh, throwing a big birthday party for, uh, for, for Jackie. Um, they seem to be just the poster children of, uh, of happy and successful uh, Londoners. Yeah, and, wealth and success. Yeah. Yeah. And all of this, it's like, oh, well, by Rose having been born on our earth and and having uh, Pete die so young, um, then this whole thing is like she you know, she's basically trying to take it as it's my fault that my parents aren't successful because sure, I was sure. born. You know, there's that guilt. And who doesn't think of that if they, you know, thinking of what else could have been. Well, it, that's that's one of the wonderful things that uh, dealing with uh, alternative universes uh, affords us is mm -hmm. sort of showing the what ifs. What you know, one little variable is different; all of this can change, kind of thing. Um, but uh, bringing it back a little bit, um, when they crash land in this dimension, uh, the doctor seems pretty concerned about the fact that the TARDIS, the last TARDIS in the universe, is dead. Yeah, and we we've sort of been introduced to the idea that the TARDIS is alive in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Uh, maybe not as a, a cognitive being, or you know, maybe a very aware cognitive being, but it, it is not a, a being the way we know of beings with flesh and blood but the ship itself is still technically alive and here the doctor is saying she's dead uh and then finding this one little light mm -hmm. so does that mean that the ship was all but drained of its life form and this one little thing was like the spark to bring the life back to the ship? Is am I That's interpreting exactly it correctly? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the, because the uh, the TARDIS gains its power from being in the universe. You know, mm -hmm. it it is connected with the uh, with the reality um, throughout all time and space. 
being well, and we've seen that they've recharged the the engines or the they recharged the TARDIS by parking it on top of the the, the fracture right uh, the rift energy know, the yeah. rift uh, energy so we we've seen them discuss how the ship is charged um it just it, it occurred to me uh you know because it seemed like a really dire thing to say uh, especially for a series that i know has continued to go on you're like you're you're going to kill your ship this early <laughs> <laughs> wow how do they um, deal with it for the next six or seven doctors oh my god uh, are they walking <laughs> from time and space right, right. And do they get like a <laughs> do they build a bicycle out of the tarnas yeah they got three <laughs> hamsters and a wheel and they just have big ships um, roads where we're going we don't need roads <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, they, we've uh, got a kite and a and a yeah, key. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we discovered something here, and we made glasses that you can see and read with. <laughs> I mean, one of the doctors has those three D glasses. But um, so when the doctor finds that light and he he breathes into it, he says he just gave up ten years of his life. Yeah, and he says every second's worth it. Yeah, but what what does that really mean to him? Uh, I mean, if he is nine hundred years old, that's not a big sacrifice. That doesn't sound like you know I just did something huge. Am yeah, I but, like uh, misreading uh, it as well? well? We've, we've already seen that uh, he's regenerated from the last doctor. Yeah, so um, with uh, Eccleston becoming tenant in this, um, then it's. You know, theoretically possible that by breathing onto this to regenerate this energy that doesn't exist in this uh, pocket, you know, or this parallel universe, except in the doctor, because he's the only thing that's able to project this energy that's in this universe. Um, but those 10 years, he could have been the doctor longer had he not given that up you know he knew that that was going to it, it will find or uh, shorten the time that he is able to be in this current doctor. regeneration yeah okay exactly. that's okay that that makes a little bit more sense because yeah and there are yeah. only so many times that a doctor is able to regenerate mm. you know that's something that they kind of established um back in the uh in the older series well be- you know, before the reboot um, that there was, you know, there, the doctors only has 13 lives. And so, you know, here we are with tenant, it's the 10th life. So there's your, your concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great lore to, uh, to get introduced to. Um, all right. So he is able to uh, bring life back to the TARDIS. Uh, and as is usually the case, uh, you have to wait at least 24 hours for the energy to fully regenerate. Uh, there seems of to course. be like a 24-hour a cycle for things to uh, take place in. Uh, and so they decide to venture out. And that's when uh, we see the technology fusion and Rose find out. Uh, and you know, there, there's another moment there with Mickey where he, you know, he kind of, he gets really bold and he confronts the doctor and he's like, Go on, man. No choice, is there? You can only chase after one of us. It's never going to be me, is it? I, I was very proud of Mickey for doing that. I genuinely uh, had this moment where my chest swelled with emotion for him uh, because he finally stepped up. 
And we are introduced to the idea or the notion that, you know, Mickey's family has had all sorts of uh, tragic uh, instances that have basically led left him alone. That's part of the reason that he is so uh, clingy to Rose and to, you know, her family is that, you know, he's, his mother and father passed away. His grandmother, who was basically the person that raised him, passed away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, of course, he goes on searching to see if his family is around. And he finds his grandma in one of the funniest, you know, scenes. Because they talk about the grandma, but they don't tell you that she's blind. And she answers mm-hmm. the door and immediately you're like... Oh my gosh, that is such a nice little twist uh, as to why it would be important, uh, you know, why why she possibly fell down the stairs. Because mm-hmm. she just you didn't know? see the tear, didn't see the uh, the snag in the carpet. And boy, yeah. did they bring that up. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, I need to, you know, I should have fixed that a long time ago or called somebody to get it fixed. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he's taking responsibility, but it's like, she's still there. She's this. She, yeah. She clearly didn't alive. stumble through that, but it was mm-hmm. still something that he carried with him. Uh, and you know, just such a, again, I, anytime we get a little bit of Mickey, like for, for a while I was, especially during season one or series one, uh, I was very sort of, I was okay with Mickey not being around because he just seemed like that secondary character. Yeah. For whatever reason, I've really, uh, especially uh, during the finale, during the, the Bad Wolf uh, episodes, uh, you know, you see that he genuinely cares for Rose and that he is, you know, genuinely interested in making sure that the doctor is also okay. Uh, and so I, I really grown fond of Mickey, uh, and I was very happy to get to see him sort of have his little adventure, including getting kidnapped <laughs> into a van and, uh, realizing that they're confusing him for that universe is, uh, Ricky. Yes. Yeah. Which, oh my gosh, talk about a joke that they set up way back in series one and finally pays out here <laughs> with the doctor calling him Ricky. And he's like, I'm Mickey and you know, Ricky boy and all of this stuff. And here we go. Finally being exposed. So does that mean that the doctor at some point was aware of this alternate universe and that there was an alternate version of Mickey that was named Ricky. You know, I never thought about that. And I don't think that that is a conscious thing because again, they're in a universe that the doctor didn't expect to go to, did not sure. know about. So I don't think he was, was aware more of a coincidence. That. Right. But there's also the idea that, you know, the name Mickey has, different connotations than Ricky does. You know, if you are known as Mickey, you know, there's Mickey Rooney, there's Mickey Mouse, you know, it's just sort of a um, kind of a softer name. Mm -hmm. And then if you're Ricky, that one, you know, it's still, uh, you know, the the juvenile version of Richard, um, but it's a little bit more aggressive of a name, a little bit more like it's, it's something that you kind of, you know, they, they, 
it it requires more uh, maturity in some well, ways. I, I definitely almost expected uh, Ricky to walk in with a goatee. Mm. You know, because he's constantly like, <laughs> right. He's like always scowling. You know, this is mm-hmm. like evil Spock kind of a thing. Uh, but you know, the, you you see very quickly that they are the same person. It's just Ricky is a little more hardened by what's happened in this universe and in, in right. this. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I feel like uh, Mickey. You know, his loss. We, we, yeah, we never knew about this stuff. The doctor didn't know about any of this stuff. And really, mm-hmm. you know, you get the idea that he didn't care about it. It's like, oh, whatever, this kid's not that important. And yet we are now realizing that he can be more important. He's, you know, he has suffered a lot and he's got to um, build some inner strength to deal with it. You know, he well, can't I- be useless. And ironically enough, in the episode Father's Day in series one, mm-hmm. uh, you hear the doctor say, you know, the, the most important thing in the universe is the the, the average person. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when, uh, when they're confronted with the almost, you know, universe collapsing uh, paradox of Rose saving her own father – uh, he makes that statement, and once again, it comes into play, even in a different universe. Uh, and he's, you know, there's there's Mickey, uh, and he is continuously played up as the unimportant. Uh, and yet, you know, he in this universe, he's clearly much more involved and clearly much more important. And by that involvement, now Mickey is, you know, equally important. Yeah. He's going to get sucked into this because people are thinking he's the other guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, um, not many other questions left for me other than, of course, it, it seems like the Cybermen are created as a necessity, as a way of this. Um, uh, what what did he say? Uh, his name is John Lumick. Lumick. Uh, John Lumick's sort of um, attempt at holding on to his mortality, right? Or in a way, attempt at cheating mortality by infusing a human brain to a completely cybernetic body. Right. That's what's described at the beginning of the episode. Uh, you know, it, it's a new species. We have to alert Geneva. Um, like, oh, I don't think so. That's <laughs> right. No. Yeah, the, uh, the idea of if you are dying, if your physical body is failing, but your mind is still vital, what would you do to make sure that you can continue? You know, people don't like, generally speaking, to go quietly into that good night. People don't mm-hmm. want to die. And when you have that much money, that much power, that much uh, technology Smart. and knowledge, I mean, yeah, the guy is absolutely brilliant, even if he's a little misguided. You know, he feels that the earbud, um, uh, communication device that he's got everybody on the planet to enjoy like this is their fashion thing it's for the record they call them ear pods which made me laugh (laughs) again because there's no possible way that russell davies could have known 
that in in now knowing now that this exists and that this episode was around did somebody at apple just go you know what we're going to call these uh, headphones we're going to call them ear pods yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no 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 that's too close okay we're going to call them airpods instead yeah <laughs> i'm like that can't be a coincidence <laughs> like uh, I don't, and then, yeah, you know, everybody them. wearing them, like you said, as status symbols. And you're like, what What kind of prophetic book did David, you know, Russell Davis, I, I, I got to find out anything else he wrote and read it because apparently <laughs> he can foretell the future. Yeah. Just have to take notes and, and be ready for it, you know, invest exactly. in the right places. But uh, having that kind of stuff, it's like, yes, it takes over their brains. But, you know, arguably people on their iPhones, it's already done that. You know, the fact that most of our listeners are going to be listening to this on their iPhone with their earbuds. (laughs) Most most of our visitors to FirstTimeLord.com are coming to it from a mobile device. Uh, So, you know, it it has definitely become a ubiquitous way to not only surf the web, but, you know, receive information in general. Uh, And, you know, that that didn't exist in 2006. Smartphones were sort of starting to come out. The Blackberry was out. They were flip phones. (laughs) You know, right. But like the we we were starting to sort of consume uh, certain types of media in a mobile way. But we, you know, we, they're getting the news, the sports, the, you know, even a joke. Uh, Which they all laugh at at the same time. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it just, it, that's some prophetic stuff that this guy is doing. And the, the good science fiction does that, right? Good yeah. science fiction sort of predicts the future and incorporates that into its storytelling. Uh, in this case, clearly to show us the perils of uh, sort of that mind hive, that thing that uh, ultimately they're they're led to. You know, the the, the ear pods uh, lead to the the mind control that allows the the gathering or the harvesting of these people. Um, so, in I guess uh, the, the 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 question that I was going towards is in this universe and this alternate reality mm-hmm. the cybermen are basically borgs yeah yeah very <laughs> good comparison because they do um well you know we'll figure more of it out in the next episode and how they interact and react to each other but yeah the 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 idea of a living organism that is then bonded with a uh, mechanical casing mm-hmm. I, there's nothing else that would be more borgish than than that you know they yeah, it's, it's it's a brain with and and the the reason i say the borg is because the there's that moment uh at the end where you know they're like we just we need to make you better and the way we make you better is we turn you into one of us Right. This is an upgrade. This is not a, uh, uh, you know, upgrade yeah, is mandatory. Upgrade. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> it's compulsory. Compulsory. Uh, yeah. Compulsory. That's what they yeah. say. Resistance uh, is futile. That is, I mean, right. basically Res- the same You thing. would be assimilated. Resistance mm-hmm. is futile. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, 
we had that episode, uh, School Reunion, mm-hmm. in which we have a species that incorporates the best genetic bits. And so in a genetic sense, uh, in a biological sense, mm-hmm. they are incorporating their prey and their victim. And here we are, two weeks later, introduced to yet another threat to the the doctor. Uh, and this time, it's the cybernetic threat. Uh, right. And when you, you know, take the, away all the things that make somebody human, and this yeah, is when, what you're left with. You take with. away emotion. When you take away all emotion, when you take away individuality. Mm. Yeah, that's the big thing. It's you know all of these things. You can't you can't see who they were. Because they all have the same shell. There is nothing about all those homeless people that they were harvesting. They, you, you yeah, can't no see version them. of them left. Yeah. And that's, that's a very interesting point that is definitely going to lead uh, into my, my final question mm-hmm. uh, is, so we, we're left on a cliffhanger. Uh, and fortunately, you have agreed to join me next week to discuss the uh, ending. So we are able to continue our conversation <laughs> I'm looking to, forward to, it. <laughs> uh, to to sort of wrap up my questions before I turn it over to you uh, to point out anything that I may have missed. There is one little mention in the technology moment where Rose pulls out her phone and she finds out about her parents there is a breaking news that comes across and the exact words are in other news, the Torchwood Institute published a study claiming that dot, dot, dot. So even in this alternate universe, there is a Torchwood. Yes. Is there anything that you can expound without spoiling what's going to happen with Torchwood? Uh, I would say um, that we don't, we're not going to see anything with Torchwood in the, in the next episode. You know, that's not something that we're going to connect with um, immediately. It's like the fact that it exists there that may, you know, that, that, that we'll deal with some of that at at another point, but the, uh, um, it doesn't directly connect with the Torchwood of our universe. Of our, because in, in at least so far, what we mm-hmm. have seen is that it seems like the Doctor is in you know inseparably connected to Torchwood, and right. specifically, uh, he is there with Queen Elizabeth. Uh, at the inception, at the beginning of... Right. He is the reason that Torchwood was founded. Because Correct. he was this alien threat that they felt they must protect themselves so, from. So with that in mind, if he is the reason Torchwood is created, why does Torchwood exist in this universe also? Oh, that is a good point. That is a very good point. <laughs> and, you know, part of it... hmm. Yeah, you know, well, I guess some of it. Well, it, the questions then become: if this is a parallel universe and we're dealing with a Back to the Future style timeline break, you know, 
what at what point was this universe created? How far away? Obviously, it's not exactly the same. It's not like you uh, changed one thing last Tuesday and this becomes this different overnight. Right. This this is it is clearly established that this is a parallel universe. So it has been happening since always. Yeah, but it could uh, be. It is also established that uh, because the doctor said that. Uh, parallel time travel or traveling across uh, parallel universes used to be something that the Time Lords were able to do. Right. But as the Time Lords vanished uh, and all went away, all of the doors were closed. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. So... Um it clearly we may get into spoiler territory for me uh because i'm asking the question about torchwood but i just wanted to bring that up uh because it seemed like even though the doctor plays up the idea that he's never been here somebody somehow started torchwood so what started torchwood in this universe uh and why but That's that. That is all I have. Uh, did I miss anything? Was there anything else that uh, is going to come into play that I should have paid attention? Not that I can think of. I mean, um, obviously, with a two-parter and a cliffhanger, anything that is directly related to this episode, we're going to get more answers next episode. Sure. Um, there. Uh, you know, there, there may be longer ramifications, um, things that happen will, you know, you will definitely feel them for a little bit. This is not a, um, one and done throwaway geek or monster of the week kind of, uh, mm. of story, which is, which is nice. You know, it's nice that things have consequences, but mm-hmm. we're going to be able to deal more with those next week. And, uh, and then after that, we'll see what comes up uh, that, that continue this idea down the line. Oh, that's super exciting. Thank you so much for joining me this week yeah, to no discuss problem. this episode. It was definitely an intense ride and uh, leaves us in that intense cliffhanger so uh, dear listener thank you for making it to the end of the episode as always please head on over to firsttimelord.com and there you can see uh, all of the show notes uh, but also links to our merch store uh, and links to uh, our patreon site Uh, so that if you uh, feel like you want to support the show you have ample ways of doing it and uh, of course any support even you listening and sharing this with other doctor who fans is greatly appreciated so i guess there is uh, no time left but to head on out and watch that next episode to find out what happens with the cliffhanger so see you on the other side everybody